1: between us hey. just between
2: us hey. hello i'm Elton raskin i'm a writer director and jocelyn's younger sister hey
3: i'm gabby dunn i'm a writer bicon bisexual icon wink and menorah lighter tell me more it's just a way of saying jew i oh, <laughs> got it got it ones welcome to light a menorah that is true uh and you're allowed to have like fun ones oh yeah didn't don't you have a dinosaur one i have a t-rex one yeah uh, uh Source rex oh, that's yeah. what it was i forgot very clever this is just between us a variety show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty i switched it up way to take charge thank you so much um <laughs> yeah it is uh holiday times
2: I love holidays. I used to not like um, Christmas because I was just like an angsty Jew. Sure. And then I realized there's so little joy in life. Why not lean in? Yeah, I kind of love Christmas. I'm very into the holiday spirit all of a sudden.
3: So when I was growing up, uh, I I lived on a street where everyone went to the same uh, Catholic school named Nativity, and I didn't go there. Uh, So we were like the only Jews on the block. And uh, the chief of police lived across the street. And they did a huge nativity scene. Their house, you know, like those houses that like go all out. Mm-hmm. And I was like jealous. And so I made my parents hang up blue and white lights on our house, Christmas lights, and call them Hanukkah lights. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that our house wouldn't be the only house without lights on it. I went so hard the
2: other way where I was like, I don't celebrate anything to do with Christmas. We don't have a Hanukkah bush. Those aren't real Jews. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but I was, I mean, I was unlikable. Which. <laughs>
3: We invited, we used to invite the the girls that I was friends with, um, we would invite them over to, like, watch us do Hanukkah, which now kind of seems like we were, like, apes in a zoo or something. Like, I, they were like, come see us do Hanukkah. The Jews have their own thing.
2: I had a Hanukkah party last year, and I was the only Jew there. <laughs> I taught everyone how to play dreidel. I showed them how to light
3: the menorah. It was quite the spectacle. Aww. We've got a great episode for you today. This week, we're going to be talking to Nancy podcast co-host Kathy too about coming out to your family and what to do during the holidays if your family doesn't accept you.
2: Later, we'll be discussing Instagram's new policy. But first, hit it! <laughs>
3: Anonymous. Do you ever get like winded
2: from singing? Absolutely,
3: cuz you put your whole self into it every time.
2: Yeah, I um I've been singing a lot lately. <laughs> okay? And I think I think it actually maybe is helping my stamina. I mean, let's just say that Jake is privy to a lot of private shows. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> sexier than it probably actually is. Much sexier than it is in yeah. reality. <laughs> okay, anonymous wants to know. How do you know when to get plastic surgery? Oh my
3: god. Okay.
2: Hi, Allison and Gabby. I'm a huge fan. Love that for us. I wanted to ask, specifically Allison, how did you know to get plastic surgery? I have also had
3: plastic surgery. Uh, B- BT dubs.
2: Okay, fine, but I'm the face of plastic surgery. You are the
3: face of plastic surgery and I am the tits of plastic surgery. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she writes,
2: I'm Indian and genetically have a small receding jawline. I've been self-conscious about it for my whole life. I was offered jaw surgery by my asshole orthodontist. <laughs> Because he said, Indian people have small small jawlines, and it'll fix my overbite. I ended up saying no, but I feel self-conscious about it and wonder if I should just bite the bullet and do it.
3: Holy shit. Well, I, there's a difference between wanting to get plastic surgery and having some asshole tell you you need it. So here's the thing. That's fucked up unless he's also Indian, which even then, pretty fucked up to say all Indians have small jawlines. Also, I understand the medical purpose of being like, it'll fix your overbite, but it seems like he phrased it in a real negative, terrible way.
2: The thing about plastic surgery is it has to be something that comes from you and yeah. not something that comes from outside forces. So if you, if it's something that, like, you've just always seen in the mirror and something that's, like, sort of bothered you and you're like, you know what, like, I have the money, I have the means, like, I maybe just, like, we will get this fixed, then, like, great, fine, no big deal. Like, getting plastic surgery is not a big deal. But if it's because... Other people are pressuring you to do it and are making you feel bad about yourself. That is not a reason to get plastic surgery.
3: If it's not like hurting you, like if your overbite isn't going to cause problems later, it's not going to grind your teeth down, it's not going to like, you know, cause TMJ or whatever, like hurt you, um, then there's no reason to get it. But if you feel self-conscious and it was just exacerbated by this guy, uh, I don't know, Like, would you have gotten plastic surgery if he hadn't said anything?
2: Also, another kind of, like, barometer is, is this, like, a slippery slope? Like, do you think that, like, oh, if I just if I, if I get my jaw done, then I can get this done, then I can get that done, then I'll finally be happy? You know what I mean? Because you will finally be happy. Exactly. Like, you can't think that, like, oh, this one thing is, like, going to, like, fix your life and, like, really bring everything together and suddenly you'll have self-confidence and suddenly you'll be beautiful and everyone will treat you differently. No. But if you're, like, you know. I think I'd look a little better with a different jawline and, uh, you know, I, something I'm thinking of doing and I can do it, then that's fine. I think it's kind of about how you approach it and what it, and what you think the outcome will be.
3: Yeah, it's not going to – you can't have expectations where it's going to solve all your problems. Like my nose is still big. <laughs> yeah, so explain. So let's – for new listeners, what have you had done?
2: So I've had a nose job, a rhinoplasty, if you will. And my story is going to make my family look bad, but I'll share it anyway. I was in college, and I had made a joke about wanting to get a rhinoplasty. I was basically fishing for a compliment, expecting my mom to be like, you don't need one. Um, but my mom said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs>
3: okay. Oh, wow. So or she like, kind of dodged it. Yeah,
2: and then by the time we like had exited a parking lot, she had admitted that it would make my features less
3: harsh. Now, let me say that you have said in the past that you don't like when people say, no, you look the same. You look the same. I think people saying that are lying because I've seen pictures of you before and after and you look wildly different to me.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Like,
3: why would you spend the money for people to go, no, no, no. Like, they think they're complimenting you by being like, you were pretty before. You look the same. Which, like, you were, but you look Absolutely much better now. Uh, thank you. And I went through a lot of pain and trauma to get here. <laughs> right. So I think like, I mean, you would have been fine without it. But like also it it, it would be a disservice to what you, the money you spent and what you went through to say that it didn't change your features. Thank
2: you. But also I, I had intentions of being on camera. And I don't know if I would have done it if that wasn't part of my life and career.
3: That's interesting.
2: Yeah. So like, you know, I was already doing comedy. I was already thinking about performing and acting and stuff. And so it was more, I think, for my parents, more of a like career investment than if I had want on an accountant track. Do you That's know so what interesting.
3: I mean? I, I mean, I had a similar thing where I think this is very relatable to all Jewish girls where like my mom offered me a nose job when I was in high school. um, And I really, really thought about it. And I also like kind of wanted to do comedy a bit. Or maybe it was college because I was already doing comedy. And I was like, and and I thought about it really hard. And I ended up not doing it because coincidentally, I saw a picture of Gilda Radner like that same week. And I already knew Gilda Radner from SNL and I liked her a whole lot. And I saw a picture of her and I imagined her with a nose job. And I was like, she just wouldn't look like Gilda Radner. Mm -hmm. I had the opposite thought where I was like, if I'm going to be on camera, I want to normalize. I I don't want to look like the other girls. I want to normalize like, yeah, I'm fucking Jewish. You know what I mean? Like, I felt emboldened by seeing someone else who hadn't fixed, quote unquote, fixed their face. Uh, And that made me feel like beautiful and okay with not fixing my face. But I think both... Roads that you and I both went down are both correct and valid and it's just personal.
2: And I think the term fix is a little problematic. Mm-hmm. I think it's more change.
3: You know, yeah. like quote is there- unquote, fix your face, <laughs>
2: right? Like, you you know, like, is it just like a change that you want to do? I, weirdly enough, I don't think I would do. I would not do it now. I think I'm much more afraid of pain. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's another real thing to consider is it is surgery. So you know, this really has to be something that you want. Um, and the thing about it is you can do it at any time in your life, right? So if right now you're like, eh, I don't know, like, do I want to do it? Do I not? Like. Just don't do it. Yeah. And then maybe one day you'll wake up and you'll be like, you know what? I do want to do this. And then that's great. But if you're still in a place of like having doubt about it and you're not like 100% like this is something I really want to do. Then don't do it. Just don't
3: do it. It's not worth it. A year ago, I had a, a breast reduction and a breast lift and they took two pounds out of each boob. And it was because and put I put it right in her butt. God, I wish. Right. <laughs> um. What, what it was was like, you know, I was 30 and my boobs, I felt were too heavy and i i was like i don't i don't like carrying this around i don't like having to wear a bra all the time um and so i went to uh, get a consultation and he was like we'll lift it we'll turn the nips up a little we're we'll do like uh, we'll take two pounds out of each, whatever. Like this is the other thing is that I have scars from it still. But at the end of the day, like it, I, I like it. I'm glad that I did it. I looked at it as like it was a month of pain for a lifetime of sitting up straight. They showed me my before and afters. And in my before pictures, my back is literally curved. It's crazy. So aesthetically, my tits are $10,000 tits and they're incredible. Um, if anyone's looking to see them, let me know. But uh, but also, there were, like, health benefits, too. You know, you have to really think about what you want. <laughs> and,
2: like, you know, if your life is, like, lovely and you're confident in your body and you're, your, your career is not tied to the size of your jaw, like, yeah. you know, it is a big medical procedure. So definitely, like, put thought into it. But at the same time, like, don't judge yourself if it is something that you want.
3: It's so complex and personal, what you have done like I think people think of plastic surgery as just being like oh it's for vain people it's for like shallow people um which like if it if that is your reason uh, godspeed like no judgment <laughs> but yeah, also like you're not
2: judging people for like getting their hair cut and colored exactly
3: but uh, there also are other reasons where like you can't just go like plastic surgery is for x type of person because it's not there's so many reasons people would get plastic surgery
2: And in terms of like you asking specifically, like, how did I know when I wanted to get it? It was from external sources. It was definitely like my parents encouraging it and my sister saying, I can't believe you never asked for this before. Mm. Um, (laughs) So, you know, like looking back, I don't think that my my journey to it was the healthiest or best. Um, But I think that once they said it i was like oh cool and i like didn't really have doubt after that mm-hmm. um so by the time i got it it was something i did want um but also i had like serious like side effects like my vision was blurry for a couple years afterwards oh my god <laughs> That no one could explain my air passageways are smaller it's harder for me to breathe um you know so it, it is a major surgery and so it's just some like you just kind of make sure that's something you really want and like And also, like, how big of a priority is it in your life? Is it a big enough priority to, like, make it so that you're going to be out of work for a couple weeks? Or do you not really give a fuck? You just think about it, like, occasionally once a month, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But do whatever you want. And you can also go ahead, make the plans for the surgery, then see if you freak out and you don't want to do it, you know?
3: Surgery to me was the easiest part because you're just asleep. (laughs) I was, like, in the room and then I was asleep and then I was awake and, and then it was over. Would you get more plastic surgery? I want filler so bad. It's not plastic surgery. <laughs> I guess it's not. I, uh, I, um, maybe not like a surgery. I want like the non surgical rhinoplasty, but. Uh, what like, about
2: your whole Gilda Ratner story?
3: I know, but like now I'm older and. <laughs> And I am um, a piece of shit. I don't know. I, I uh, It depends because it's expensive. I am the opposite of you where I came to getting my, my boobs done on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, that is because I like to be hot. Next question.
2: <laughs> I hope that somehow helped you. Mostly just <laughs> listen to yourself and know that it's something you can always do. You don't need to do it right now if you're not ready. Uh, if you want to submit your international question... Send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Also, let us know if you've had fillers and what you think of them.
3: Please. I I need to know that I really want them. <laughs>
2: Stick around after the break. We've got tough questions with Kathy, too. Just between sweet.
4: Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something, and all of a sudden my brain will go, oh, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by ElectroCore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which, if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truevega.com T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS.
2: Back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous,
3: controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week, our guest is Kathy Tu, who's the host of Nancy, a wonderful queer podcast out of WNYC that is just one of my favorite podcasts. So hello, Kathy. Hello. So uh, the first episode of Nancy um, was a very funny, funny slash uh, relatable episode, I think, about you having to come out over and over again to your mom?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. can you
3: start at the beginning and explain that story?
1: You know, I discovered I was queer in college, and I told my mom on the phone, and there was some screaming and yelling and, like, come home from college, you'll be fine, sort of a thing.
2: What's your mom's background?
1: She's Taiwanese. Well, I was born in Taiwan. We we moved when I was, like, four, okay. I want to say. So So she has, like, a uh, – I call it, like, a traditional East Asian background. Um, attitude about most things just like very conservative i would Mm -hmm. say so she was upset about it um and she wanted me out of my environment and i said no i'm gonna stay in college and and then we just like did not ever mention it and that was that was to me like a really it was a weird thing because we had a huge confrontation about it and then the next time i went home it was like completely fine we just never talked about it where were you in school I was at UCLA. I was, like, maybe an hour, possibly an hour and a half, depending on traffic in L.A. And she wanted you to
3: quit school and come home because UCLA had made you gay?
1: Um, She would never tell me to quit school, but she definitely wanted me to, like, live at home. Mm. Because, yes, because college definitely makes people gay.
3: (laughs) I went to a school where the motto was, gay by mayor, your money back. So I do think college makes you gay.
2: (laughs) Did you want to bring it up when you saw her for the first time in person?
1: I didn't bring it up because I was scared of getting yelled at some more. So I just, I went home thinking that I was going to get yelled at some more. Right. Basically. But that didn't happen. Um, we just, her her motto was sort of like, if we don't talk about it or mention it ever, then it doesn't.
2: It's not real.
1: Yeah, exactly. But clearly this is wasn't a thing that was going to change. So... Um, We fast forward a few years. I've now graduated from law school, but I was home studying for the bar exam and not very happy about it. And studying for the bar exam is one of the most excruciatingly painful things I think I've ever done in my life. Mm. This is so weird because I remember thinking in my head, like, I do not want to listen to another lecture. I just, like, do not want to do it. And I was like, you know what I could do is I could – try to talk to my mom again about being queer <laughs> instead. That was
2: preferable than watching these lectures? <laughs> it really was. That really puts in perspective how horrible those lectures were. It,
1: it was real bad. <laughs> and so, like, in my mind, I just thought that she didn't want to talk about it because she didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she understood it, then we were going to be fine. Right. So I went on to, like, Whatever was like the local p flag, the the parents who
3: parents and friends of lesbians and gays.
1: Yes, that's the one. The local chapter of P flag, the one based in San Gabriel, had these resources in multiple languages. So I downloaded the I downloaded the one that said bisexual um in Mandarin. And I put that into an email and I sent it to my mom, who was, Downstairs, washing the dishes. I think. <laughs> wow. It's way, to, to way to d-
2: confront her, you know, really head on.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That's yelling
2: yeah. her from inside the same uh, house. Yeah, I'm passive
1: aggressive. I really, yeah, I, I really tried my best not to be. I'm very non confrontational. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> so I did that, and then I went downstairs to be like, "Hey, did you see my email?" And she's like, "Yes." And then I, I was like do we need to talk about this? And she said, I don't know what there is to talk about. And that was the end of that conversation.
3: So that was like five years later from the first time? Yeah, just about. Okay, so once every five years we make an Once attempt. every five years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you fast forward another three to four years after that, well, a couple of things. I was now trying to make radio. So I have this new radio kit with me, and I was paired up with this, like, more senior radio producer who was mentoring me. And he's like, what are you really thinking about right now? And I was like, oh, you're going to really regret asking this because, okay, you guys just have to stay with me on this, okay? Okay. I'd recently gone to Burning Man.
2: <laughs> okay, you lost sorry. us. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, lost. I'm gone. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs>
1: This didn't make it into the the episode, episode one for clear reasons. Yeah,
2: <laughs> trying to keep people on your side.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so what I've been thinking about was I went to Burning Man. And at Burning Man, there's this temple. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Burning Man, but there's a temple there where people go there and they write down the things they want to let go of or the things that are bothering them because mm. at the end – The the man burns, and that's a huge party. But then the next day, the temple burns, and it's like a really solemn event. Like, nobody's partying. It's just like a quiet burn. Okay. So when I was at the temple, I suddenly just got really emotional, which is so weird for me because I swear I don't have tear ducts. It's just I never cry. Whoa. I got so emotional because I realized that as I was, like, sitting in this temple, that the thing that has been weighing me down a lot is that I care so much about my mom. She means so much to me. And there's this one thing that we refuse to talk about that is, like, so important to me.
2: Had you had girlfriends that you had, like, kept from your mom? Um,
1: I had definitely had girlfriends. I never kept them from her. I always tried to, like like, be as genuine as I could be. Um but she just never wanted to hear about like who my friends were or who I was dating like that's not we're not a very close family mm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Like my brother told me that he had a girlfriend like a year after they broke up. Like I was like <laughs> what? what? <laughs> like a 2 year relationship. I was like what?
2: <laughs> had you been talking to your brother over that time? Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean not frequently apparently.
3: <laughs> but he would just not he would just not mention the girlfriend.
1: Yeah, it just never, just doesn't come, like, we're just not close in that way.
3: So when you had girlfriends, like, were you bringing them around your mom or would you be like, your mom would be like, what did you do this weekend? And you were like, oh, I went out with, like, so-and-so. She very rarely asked what I did.
1: Over the weekend, yeah, and the the times I would see her would generally be a, over the holidays, especially when I went to the East Coast for a law school. Mm-hmm. And for the holidays, usually my, whoever I was seeing would go home to their parents for the holidays, right. and so I'd always talk about them. Um, and if they happened to be in the same c- in in our city, then you know sh- they would show up every once in a while. Um, but up until that point she would always just call them my friends. Like she yeah. would just, and she would never also bring them up. I'd always have to bring them up and then she would ask maybe like one follow-up question.
3: Were girlfriends upset about that? Because I had, I had a partner who was not out to her mother and I would sit next to her and listen to her on the phone with her mom telling stories that I was a part of and leaving me out of them. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. I mean, that it, doesn't... I was like, you know what? It's it, it's in her time to come out to her mom, but it was hurtful to be like just erased kind of from every from every story. Did did yeah. you experience that with girlfriends?
1: No, I if, if if whatever I was talking about included them, um I would just bring it up because my plan actually at that time was um If I just talk about my relationships with women as openly as anybody else does, eventually I was like, she's going to think that this is normal. Because her thing is all about what is normal and what isn't. It's like exposure therapy. Exactly. And I also did that with the Ellen DeGeneres show because she really liked Ellen. (laughs) Then I was like, Ellen's gay. And she's like, what? And I was like, this is Portia.
3: (laughs) (laughs) God. Was the investment in normalcy sort of an immigrant thing?
1: I think it's more of a product of just how she grew up. I think when she was growing up, it was really important not to stand out. And and I don't know if that is like a, a, a Taiwanese thing, a Chinese thing, um, but it did feel to me like Like, when she was growing up, if you were not—if you didn't do the things that you're supposed to do, like get married, have kids, that sort of thing, then you were going to be weird, and then you would be an outcast in society. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. But I also do think also that when people immigrate to other countries, they're they're, so—they're so detached from their home countries that they— and this is something that my, my friend Andrew told me, or, or he speculated, is that when people immigrate to other countries, they kind of lose ties with their home country. And so they kind of end up holding on to the things that they did know about their home country, even if their home country has sort of evolved a little bit. So so um, a lot of people in Taiwan, you know, are now very, very much pro-gay um, marriage, that sort of thing. But a lot of immigrants who have come from Taiwan, living in other parts of the world may not be as much because they're kind of holding on to the ideals and the culture that they came with. They're stuck in the time period of when they left. Yeah, kind of. Yeah.
3: What was her when you were first fighting with her when you first came out to her? What was her argument? Was she like, was it that kind of protective thing of like, no, I want you to have a good life. And I know that gay people don't have good life. You know, like, is it that kind of thing? What was her argument? Yeah.
1: Her argument, she associated people who are gay with like drug users and like criminals. So she was like, you're on a slippery slope. You're going to go down this route and then you're going to, you know, end up doing drugs. Everything like leads to drugs. And and then later on, she thought that I was um, just going through a phase. Mm -hmm. and, And she had said at the time that you know when you're in your 20s and you keep doing things that i don't like like i don't know I, like going traveling <laughs> and going and moving to the east coast you do things that that i would never do and you're just doing this to like make me kind of upset but it's a phase and when you're 30 and you feel like this is like really truly for you then you know i'm not going to care so much anymore and to her credit, once I turned 30, she really did kind of calm down a little bit. But I don't think that's because of my age. I think she's just, like, I think it's a product of her aging. I think she's kind of gotten a little bit older, and and maybe my plan worked this whole time. You exposure-therapied her. Yeah. So
2: to get back yeah. to your story, so you were working on this radio project, and your producer was like, right. what's on your mind? And you're like, Burning Man.
1: Burning Man. And so... <laughs> So this is so basically it was my mom. And and so I decided now that I have my kit, I'm just gonna come out again and I'm just gonna I'm gonna record it. Mm. Just so we know that this happened. Because the last couple of times that I that I came out to her, I felt like I know I did this thing and it was a very difficult thing to do, but then we act like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just I'm gonna record it this time and then we'll we'll just we'll see what happened. And and I'm sure you two know this, when, when you go up to somebody with a microphone, don't you feel a little bit more empowered just to ask the things that you need to ask? Because you're kind of a little bit in like a producer reportery reporter mode. Oh,
2: absolutely. Um, you're like, this is for the good of the
1: content. Exactly. <laughs> so I went in there and just like really asked my questions. Like, why? Why can't you just understand? Why is this so hard for Did you? Did she know that you were about to interview her? she knew because um there's anything that i can count on my mom for it is that she will do anything for me for school or for a job (laughs) so so i kind of made it sound like a school assignment love it that had to be done um and in coming out to her i basically was telling her about like how hard it is that when i was going through a difficult time I don't want to tell her about it because she would be happy for me that, you know, somebody I liked didn't like me back or um Ugh. you know, that sort of thing. Cuz even even though I don't think that she would actually would show that in my mind I would think you're clearly happy for me even though you know I'm sad. You know, like you're happy that this happened that or it didn't happen for me. So How
2: did she respond to that?
1: She kind of told me that she is a product of her generation. She said that she's tried to change a little bit and that she's probably never get to she'll never get to the point where I want her to be where I mean I would love it if she, you know, went to PFLAG and talked to other parents who are going through the same thing just to have some sort of camaraderie and not feel like um she's the only one in her friend group mm-hmm. to have a kid who's Queer, right? Um, she doesn't want that, she doesn't want anybody to know, she doesn't talk about it. But I think for me, what I got out of that conversation was that my mom's gonna try her best in the only ways that she knows how because she she's she might not be accepting the tools that I'm trying to give to her, so she she doesn't have like a way to express herself, but she's like trying amidst the things that she doesn't know, if that makes sense. Just like I can see that she's trying, mm-hmm. and that to me felt good enough. It felt good enough that we can we can t- we had we had the conversation, which is what I wanted in the first place.
2: How long ago was that? Five, four, or five years ago, something like that. And where where are things now? Have they changed at all? Have they evolved?
1: Yes, uh, an interesting thing happened, um, and that is my sister got married. To this dude, and they had a big wedding. A lot of my um, mom's friends came to that wedding, and I introduced all of them to my girlfriend, who is a white woman but can speak fluent Mandarin. Oh my wow. God! Whoa. I know. I know. And she was a hit <laughs> with my family, with my mom's friends. Um, and I made sure that like everybody got introduced to her, so I can really show her off to everybody. And then I made her speak Mandarin to everybody. <laughs> and by the end, um, my aunt, who is like uber uber religious, very very Christian, she came up to me and she was like, "I'm really happy for your sister and her husband, but like, I really hope you and and your girlfriend work out." And I was like, "What? Uh- Are you kidding me?" Um, and I told my mom that and my mom, um, you know, since then has like every, just every so often will ask about my girlfriend. That's huge. I know it's doesn't happen that often, but every once in a while she will ask. And that, I mean, that's what I mean. Like she's trying a little bit. So I think with her trying and my exposure therapy plan, Eventually, we'll get to a place where, very, where we're both very, very comfortable with each other.
2: That's so that's, wonderful. That's my hope. <laughs> well, and so in terms of bringing her, your girlfriend to the wedding, did your sister mind? Or was she like, yeah, I'll bring whoever you want?
1: Oh, she doesn't care. Nobody else in my family, I think, really cares. I don't even really know how my dad feels. But he's so hands-off in my life that like, I don't think I cared whether or not he'd be a- accepting <laughs> of my queerness. Are they still married? I cared about my mom. My yeah, they're still married. They're they've been married forever. Well, wow, based
2: on this um, whole story, I thought your dad was not in the picture at yeah. all. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's
1: he's just kinda of floating along in the background. So
3: this is an episode that's gonna come out around Christmas. And we okay. we wanted to um, you know because you are a professional queer person as am I, uh, we wanted mm. to to talk about advice for people who are going home for the holidays to parents that don't know or don't accept them or ones that are similar to your mom. Like for our listeners, what what do you what do you think um, they could do in those
1: situations? I think I mean my plan has always been the the slowest exposure therapy that you can possibly imagine. So, like, depending depending on how accepting or how terrifying they are, um, I would sneak in a nugget. <laughs> if that's going fine, sneak in another nugget.
2: Slowly normalize it.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can go in, like, guns blazing. Like, I am queer and I am here now. I mean, that's, if that's your family, then, you know prepare yourself and you know what you got to do but um i'm thinking about my family and how that would go over and for us it would have to be just like a little bit and then a little bit more like about your a little bit
3: a, more. about yourself or like just being like have you guys heard the music of Hailey
1: kyoko like just kind of leaving crumbs uh, yes. like that i did i did all of those things i did like Um, definitely talked about Ellen I talked about um, my friends who are gay Um, test the waters exactly and then those things went well then like I would be like oh I'm seeing somebody she's so and so and then quickly you know go back to talking about Ellen DeGeneres and the (laughs) latest like antics that she's been on that has always been my plan especially with like my family or similar type of families you can't there's so much emphasis on um a familial familial bond and like familial piety, I would say even. There's no way for you to go in there and just be like, you accept me or it's over. I'm gonna leave you and we're never gonna talk again. And that that might work for some families, but not for not for mine when we're we're so we're close and we're not. We're we're not close on like a daily interacting level, but like if any one of us, my sister, my brother, I were in trouble with anything, my parents will always, 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 always be there. Mm-hmm. So like it would just be impossible to have bailed after college when I came out the first time because I would have missed out on a lot of stuff. Yeah,
3: I think sometimes there is advice that's like, just give them an ultimatum. And like with family, it it is super hard to do that.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's tough. And whenever I hear that, Um, I always try to stress that, like, that doesn't work for everybody, and it's okay if it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Sometimes you got to use other people or other things to make that happen.
3: What about – I love drama and flair. I sort of wish that I had just, like, come in with, like, a rainbow cape and, like, just glitter (laughs) cannons and just been like, I'm here. Like, I I love – but, like, you can't always do that. So – I think, no. you know, also sometimes I feel like maybe there's um, a, a relative that you can broach it with to have your back or come out like to like a sibling or an aunt or someone first. Yeah. So that like when you do bring it up, like you have someone at the table who can like back you up.
1: Yeah. I would say sibling, if possible, might be since you're probably going to be compared to your sibling the, the most. Mm. I think that might be a good one.
2: Are you going home for the holidays? Yeah. Is your girlfriend coming?
1: Yes, she is. Um, And that would be good because they can communicate. uh, It's the first time I've dated somebody that can talk to my parents in Mandarin.
2: That's great. Has she stayed with with them before?
1: (laughs) She's never stayed over, but they've met a few times at this point. So, yeah, they're pretty comfortable with each other, I think. My dad's not comfortable with anybody, (laughs) really. He's very shy.
2: When you first came out to your mom all those years ago in college, did you ever think that you'd be coming home for Christmas with your girlfriend and staying there with her? Oh, my God
1: no
3: pretty
2: cool no
1: it is pretty cool i hadn't thought about that i had not thought about that for those
3: people listening it gets better
2: Sometimes <laughs> it does give it some i mean time. there's some
1: shitty times in the in between but like it eventually it gets better <laughs>
2: well we hope you have just the most magical christmas and would you like to play a game show
1: Oh my god, I'm scared. Sure.
2: (laughs) Okay, we will be playing hypotheticals. Uh, You and Gabby are the contestants. I will be giving you hypothetical situations. You can ask as many questions as you want before giving your answer. And um, I make all the rules. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Our first game is America's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? Oh,
3: god. (laughs) Everyone reacts the same way. (laughs)
2: your spouse of 15 years admits they made out with a cop to get out of a parking ticket three different times (gasps) once with your children in the car would you (gasps) stay with this cheater the
3: same the same cop three different cops three different makeouts i okay well i don't like uh, i'm not a fan of cops um so i'm gonna have to say that i would not stay with this cheater just on principle
2: alone of, of how you feel about the police?
1: Yes. I think that she has figured out a way to game the system. So I don't think that's cheating, is it? I don't there know. It was a lot
2: of tongue.
3: <laughs> oh and wow. And how
2: long were the makeouts? Uh one minute and under.
3: Oh, that's not bad. And how and how um first of all, wow, how corrupt of the fucking police. Uh, surprising no one but also uh what, what how old are our kids
2: they're uh two seven and eleven
3: so the seven-year-old and the 11-year-old know know what happened
2: yeah and, and now that's their plan moving forward oh
3: man and and wow did the kids the kids didn't tell me about it what good are these kids that they didn't
1: rat, rat them out?
2: well they just thought oh this is what you do to get out of a ticket
1: Oh, no. Wait, is the cop just a straight-up, like, cishet dude?
2: Um, Two out of three.
1: Oh, man. Wow. Kathy, more thoughts? (laughs) I think think this could work if we can figure out a way not to do this anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's the perfect answer. (laughs) Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your nine-year-old... Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Your nine-year-old kid won't stop sleeping in your bed at night. So you tell them that their other parent, your spouse, is very sick and needs to get good uninterrupted rest to get better. (laughs) The kid learns to sleep alone but thinks their parent is dying for four to six months. Are you a terrible parent?
1: (laughs) This is easy. This is easy. No, because you got to do what you got to do when it comes to kids.
2: Including letting them li- believe their
3: parent is dying.
1: It's gonna, it's gonna build character in the long run. Is how I feel. So,
3: okay, uh, does your partner know that you did this? Um, no. And and are the is the kid treating the partner like extra nice and like making them pancakes Absolutely. and shit because they think they're dying?
2: Yeah, like it's the, the they get so close over that time.
3: Wow. <laughs> and then and then how old's the kid? The kid is six. Okay, no and, nine. The kid is nine. Okay, and then. And then uh, how do you end it? You just say they're cured?
2: Well, by, by the time the kid has like, learned to sleep alone, you're like, oh, I just wanted to let you know that you know, mommy or daddy is doing really well. Thank you so much for your help.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. And you never say it was fake. Do you, when they're like an adult, tell them it was fake? No. And the kid never brings oh, it wow. up? The kid never
2: brings it up to the spouse? Well, you've said, like, we don't like to talk about it because it's it's scary and upsetting. So they've had. So you're th- taking it to the grave. Yeah, they're taking it to the grave that their parent was dying for four to six months.
3: <laughs> I, I think, I don't think you're a terrible parent. What? I think, I think you, Kathy's right. You do what you gotta do. You do what you gotta
2: do. Wow. I thought this would be so obvious the other way, but okay, yeah.
3: <laughs> You know what, Allison? Sometimes we have to surprise you. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> okay,
2: our, our final game. Would you lie uh-huh. or tell the truth? You witness a robbery of a major retailer. The culprit is the last person you dumped. You dumped them because they were too clingy and it broke their heart. When the police ask if you saw the
3: suspect, would you lie or tell the truth? Uh, And it's a major corporation like a Walmart? Yeah. Oh, I would lie. (laughs) That's why I put major (laughs) retailer. I knew that would really affect your decision. Kathy?
1: Um... Uh, yeah, I would probably lie. Because you've yeah. already hurt yeah. them so much.
3: Well, no, because fuck
1: big it's, corporations. Not the retailer. Yeah. Oh, it
3: would be anyone and you would lie?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> within reason. Like, maybe not like a serial killer. I wouldn't lie. but No, they're just
2: a robber. I guess how,
1: how would you know?
2: Well, you could tell if they're just buying a lot of rope and duct tape. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They're stealing, like, a chainsaw. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, here's why I would lie. Because, again, we come back to uh, fuck the police as an organization. Mm -hmm. Also, Mm. like, you know what? Fuck big corporations. Like, the little person, we should all be robbing big corporations, to be honest. And I'm here for that radical
1: point of view here on Just Between Us. (laughs) Yes. Rob a blind.
2: Kathy, do you agree?
1: Kathy, your thoughts. D- what what are they what are they are they stealing money or are they stealing things? Uh both. Oh wow, both. Well, you don't know. People might need it. I mean, I'm sure it's Christmas, so
2: But then you find out that they bought they stole all these jewels to give to you to try to get you back and they're more clingy than ever. Oh,
1: good god. Uh At that point, you might just need to leave an anonymous tip. <laughs> <I don't
2: know>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone find you?
1: Um, I am on Twitter at underscore Kathy2. Our show, Nancy, is at nancypodcast.org. Find us in all the social media places.
2: Amazing. And I hope you have just such a wonderful holiday season.
1: You too as well.
2: Thank you. Say hi to your mom for (laughs) us. say hi to your mom.
1: I tell my mom everybody says hi, and she's always just like, don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be on the show anymore. <laughs> well, I'm like, you have fans, mom. And she's like, no, I refuse to. She was the first one to leave our live show when it was over.
2: <laughs> Stick around. After the break, we'll be talking all about Instagram's new policy. They're getting rid of likes. Oh, you you've ruined it.
4: Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out. And I think that not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something, and all of a sudden my brain will go, oh, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by ElectroCore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which, if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. It's drug free and easy to use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truevega.com T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS.
2: back to just between us it's time for topics
3: xxxxx baby baby
2: uh so this week i wanted to discuss instagram's new policy of making it so that you can't see how many likes other people's photos get
3: okay so uh can i can i go on a corporate rant absolutely enjoy Thank you so much. Um, oh, wow, this is my favorite. Okay, so people have been saying, and Facebook has been saying, that uh, this is all about mental health and making sure that people aren't assigning their value to likes. However,
2: <laughs> well welcome-
3: just, just a
2: reminder, Facebook owns Instagram. Yes. Now,
3: conspiracy corner. That is not actually a conspiracy because it's real. Uh, Facebook does not want... Uh, uh, Influencers to be able to make money off of uh, companies buying ads directly from their pages. Facebook wants companies to have to go directly to them to be able to uh, put ads on Instagram. Mm. And so that they, what they're essentially doing is they're cutting off a source of revenue for uh, people who post sponsored posts. Because if you can't see the likes, then the company can't know... Can't, can't know which influencers to engage with. And so basically, it's a way for Facebook and Instagram to monopolize uh, who wh- who uh, companies buy ads from.
2: Wow, I did not know that. You didn't? Uh, I, I heard much more about the, the mental health stuff and that it's like so damaging to especially like younger girls. Um, yeah, so
3: that is, uh, uh, that what you're talking about is probably going to be an interesting consequence of it. However... Facebook, they don't give a shit about mental health. So let's not give Facebook any sort of applause for doing this because their reasons for it are a lie and they're actually doing it in order to steal ad revenue from independent creators and to make all the ad money themselves. Now, to back to your point, however, will the uh, side consequence be that it might, prob- it might be better for people's mental health? Absolutely. And now you speak to that.
2: um it's complicated right because we're coming at it as sort of influencers where like it is part of our job and you know part of our job to get other work is proving that people care about us as people and showing them the numbers and like the support and the following so part of me is like oh no it's like Will this impact our careers? And the other part of me is like, what a fucking relief. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because it is it is stressful to to keep track of that. And I, I've never had to keep track of it just as a person. Um, Like I've always used social media at like connected to my career. I've, you
3: never had it. In- you didn't have Instagram before we started at BuzzFeed. I got it like
2: maybe two months
3: before we started at BuzzFeed. Yeah, you never. I had it, but you didn't. Right. Um,
2: and so I've always interacted with both like Instagram and Twitter very much from a business point of view. Um, but I can't even imagine what it's like to be like a 15-year-old girl posting a photo of herself and just like waiting to see if anyone likes it and what people con- – like what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I was just reading an article about a study about how like younger girls are just like truly – depressed and anxious because of social media and how it has made their lives so much worse and how it has sort of, like, um, damaged their actual relationships with each other because now they're just, like, on their phones instead of, like, going to the movies or hanging out or, like, having a true interpersonal connection. Um, so I'm excited in that sense. You know, I think that we don't know yet what the repercussions of this social media error will be long-term on kids who are, like, going through, growing up with it. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm always very curious if at some point we're going to, like, correct course where, like, it'll be
3: cool not to have social media again. I think that's happening now. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I think some people only have one. Like, they won't have – they'll only have Instagram or they'll only have Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who are sort of, like – Because it used to be you had to have everything, and now they're, like, opting out. Um, The only good social media is TikTok, once again. Uh, (laughs) I'm here to talk about TikTok. So uh, my friend— Which is owned by a problematic Chinese company, if I'm not wrong. Mm Absolutely it is. Uh, And it's being used to gather all of our data, and uh, Russia knows what all of our faces look like, and everything's fine. So uh, my friend uh, who – by the Instagram handle at Neon Fiona, she posted this long thing about other ways that people – like even if they take away likes, it's other ways that people are going to be able to gauge uh, your success on Instagram. Uh, One is that it's going to be gauged by shares, like how many people share your – You can't really share on Instagram. You can post someone else's photo to your story. Uh, There's also a way to save, like, someone's photos, like, so you can save a photo for later in, like, a folder, and so you'll be able to show companies um, how many saves you get, so that'll be uh, probably used way more, and then... uh, Will you still see comments? So yes, this is the other thing that Fiona brought up, is that comments will still be visible. So if something has like, you know, 1,500 comments, you'll know that it was a popular post Mm -hmm. still. So people will start judging instead of just liking a photo, people will be like, please comment, and that'll show engagement. Are you able to see how many likes you have? In my understanding is you might not be. Really? Yeah.
2: So then nobody will be liking anything. (laughs) Right? Why do you like if no one knows that I you guess, like? You
3: know what, if I a guess, like
2: falls in the woods, <laughs> no one's there to see it. Is I it think, even a like?
3: Yeah. I think actually you might be able to see your own likes. I think you can. Because otherwise, how are you going to know someone's flirting with you? <laughs> if they don't so like true. 15 of your photos in a <laughs> row.
2: Yeah. I. It's tough, right? Because I think like personally for me and you, it's bad. But I think for the greater good, it is good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think I'm not of the mindset that all social media is bad. I think sometimes it really helps people find community, and I think it really helps sometimes. Um, But I do think that if you're not a famous person, then, like, really caring about how many likes you're getting uh, is damaging. damaging. And also, like, okay, when I was first on Instagram in, like, Mm 2010— I liked it because it was just me and my friends and you could see like what your friends were up to and like it wasn't about like, oh, here's like a very beautiful, clearly filtered photo of myself like holding – you know, like I I wasn't thinking about it in terms of like content or what was going to get likes or um, like – Posting things that were curated. Literally, my early Instagram photos are like a blurry picture of me on the subway in New York wearing like a, a weird hunting cap. Like, so they, Amy Schumer's current Instagram. Yeah, like there was, there was no. It it was all very. Um, it was it was kind of very innocent. I,
2: I think another big part of it, which this new policy doesn't solve, is like the FOMO aspect where you can like now Ugh. before you didn't know if people were hanging out without you, but now you do. Yeah. And I think that that's like very painful and hurtful for a lot of people. It's something I'm super cognizant of. Like w- when I've had like, get-togethers or parties I try not to post it because I don't want people to know
3: <laughs> yeah you've told me that specifically <laughs> I don't want that's people why to feel you, left out that's why you post things to close friends oh yeah or you have a finsta <laughs> yeah uh yeah I mean I I just had a thing where I didn't know a friend of mine was in town and then I saw uh her on someone else's insta story and she hadn't reached out to me about being in town and I was like what the fuck? It's such a bummer. Yeah, it was really weird. Who uh, was it? <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> but, like, I was like, that's weird. Um, And so then you kind of get in your head and you're like, are they mad at me? <laughs> and then it's just, like, this whole fucking spiral that didn't need to happen. Right. So I... <sighs> You know, I I think
2: we also have to see how it plays out and if it actually, like, does make a difference in terms of people's mental health and that they're, like, less obsessed with it and maybe they're not, like, posting as much. I mean, I think that might be a a really cool – consequence is that if you're not getting the likes, if you're not getting the validation, why are you posting? Yeah, you're not getting the dopamine of the likes. Right. So maybe, you know, you're just not going to bother to post as much. And so you're going to experience life a little bit more, which would be a great side effect.
3: Or I hope it brings back people posting just like whatever they want, not Mm -hmm. what they think will get more likes, but just like stuff that's more true to themselves or stuff that's more... Um, you know, like I don't post a lot of stuff that isn't my face because I know that's like what gets the most likes, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know. Sometimes what if I want to post a a beautiful flower? Nobody cares about a flower, but now if no, if it doesn't matter how many likes it gets, I'll post flowers, coffee cups, sunsets. Y'all can't stop me. Yeah. Good good luck to you. Um,
2: (laughs) Tamika, do you want to come in and share your opinion? Do you even have an Instagram? Do you yes. follow
3: us? Tamika has an Instagram. I, I know because
5: I've tagged her. Wow. I got to find it. So I have social media. I'm just not a social person. Yeah. So like for me, I only use it for business. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like if you're like a younger person in the workforce, a lot of places require you to have something because they yeah. want you to push something. So, you know, I have an Instagram and a Twitter. And Do you enjoy like viewing other people's content? Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I mean, I think <laughs> – well, I think social media itself is fascinating, but – like it is entertaining to see how people engage with each other mm-hmm. and you can keep up with so many interesting things through social media. But yeah, I just don't, I don't engage with it naturally because it's not my personality. Mm-hmm. More and more though, companies will look at
3: your Instagram and like, a- and judge you based on it. So I like, it's very curated now. And then
5: I know most people have Finstas, like private Instagrams that are like their true selves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. I God. freaked out so much when I realized that my Facebook page is gonna outlive me. Ah! It's gonna be a legacy page. What? Ah! Do you have plans? You haven't told us. No, about? no. There's that's the setting on Facebook. It's like if you pass away, you know, I went to high school with kids who were who were killed and like their pages became legacy pages. And someone's gotta take it over. Otherwise it just sort of lives in Yeah. The ether.
3: I absolutely when someone dies go and look at their Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> And then sometimes before I get on an airplane, I'm like, better do a good tweet so that if if this plane crashes, your last tweet wasn't like buttholes. Oh,
5: my God. (laughs) But but to Allison's point, like, what it's like to have experienced social media, seeing it as a child and then growing up with it is different. Like, Mm -hmm. we were at least college or late high school. When Facebook started. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can see it as this new thing. But if you were a child and you grew up with it then it does become part of your understanding of, like, your social status and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's scary.
2: I just want everyone who's listening to know that all that matters is if you're a good person <laughs> and if you have just a few couple close people who are really there for you and who you're there for too. You know, and be nice to each other. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, your life and your perception of the world when you're growing up is so different than what's actual priorities later on. Very
3: true. Very true. And I feel
2: so sad for adults who still care about this stuff. Don't you feel sad for them? I feel like people who are not where it's not tied to their career at all. And they're just like uploading photos of their families constantly and trying so hard to like appear a certain way. It's like just
5: have some ice cream. Wow. Enjoy your life. It's hard because you have so much pressure and so much encouragement, especially if you live away from people and you want to keep sharing your life with them. It does seem like it makes sense to use these platforms to do it. There's these pressures. Let me, let me tell you something. Group text.
3: <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> just move it all on over to a group text. <laughs> I feel like in the future everyone's Instagram's going to be private because we're all going to be like, we don't want to get, we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to go viral. Mm. Like nobody wants any of it yeah, anymore. Yeah, just
2: screenshot it.
3: Uh, all right. What do we? What do we rank it? I would
2: say, I would say six out of five. Kathy's dads.
3: Yeah, Kathy's dad, not part of it, and not involved in drama. Uh, I would rank it, um, thirteen out of thirteen nose jobs. Ah. So Tamika, you didn't know I had a fake
2: nose, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Tamika, you did an email today, being like, "This person seems to think you've had plastic surgery." No, ha- have And I knew you were so scared to ask. <laughs> well, I didn't
5: want to just put it on your on your script with you know an assumption. No,
2: yeah, I'm very open about it. I think it's weird not to be.
5: Tamika, you didn't know I had fake tits. No, I don't know these things about you guys. Well, well everyone's here to learn. What do you rank it? I rate it. Seven out of seven holiday gifts.
2: Oh, lovely. Aww. Look, you did it. I did. <laughs> you wrote it down ahead of time, you were all ready. <laughs> <laughs> We've just spooked Jamika oh, calling so hard. me out. <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: uh, what was our funniest moment?
3: Um, when both Kathy and I said that uh you were a great parent. If <laughs> if you lied to your kid about the oh, yeah. illness.
2: Yeah, that was intense.
3: I also liked um, your reaction when I said, can I do Conspiracy Corner? And you went, yeah, sure. And then just sat back. (laughs) (laughs) Just was like, go for it. (laughs) Just like. (laughs) I took a little time out. (laughs) Yeah, you were like, "Uh, you do your thing. I'm going to be on my phone. Thank you so much to Kathy too
2: For being our guest on this episode Just Between Us is hosted by me Allison Raskin and me Gabby Dunn Our engineer is Brendan Burns He also composed our killer theme music Our
3: producer is Tamika Weatherspoon And our supervising producer is Josephine Martorana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher Happy Holidays Happy ho- I was about to say Happy Holidays Aww <laughs>